Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 204 of The Body Nerd Show. And on today's episode, I'm talking about how traditional shoes can restrict your normal foot and ankle mobility, how to shop for minimalist shoes and what to look for, and the best way to break in your new shoes without getting hurt. Because whenever I post on social media about foot pain and how your footwear might actually be contributing to it, I always get the follow-up question. Okay, so what shoe is best? What shoe should I buy? And I can tell you all of my favorite brands and the shoes that I wear, but my foot and your foot aren't the same foot, right? I have a very wide foot. You might have a narrow foot. And so just a blanket recommendation of what type of shoe to wear may be helpful, but isn't necessarily helpful for all people. So I think it's going to be even more helpful to teach you what to look for and how to pick a shoe that's good for yourself. So let's talk about the best types of shoes if you have foot pain. But before we get into our topic today, I have a corrections corner, which I'm actually kind of excited about because we made it 202 episodes before I had to make a correction, even though I'm not right all the time. I do have to say that and I will be one to correct myself. So I really just want to say thank you to a listener, Denise, who sent me an email about something that I said in episode 202. So in episode 202, we were talking about nerves of the forearm and I said the wrong nerve. So let's just get on the same page and correct so that we don't go out into the world with false information because I've done that before and it's very embarrassing. So don't be like that person, okay? So when we're looking at our forearm on the thumb side of your hand, this is the radial nerve. And on the pinky side of your hand, this is innervated by the ulnar nerve. So radial on the thumb side, it's like thumbs up, radical, and then ulnar nerve on the pinky side. So we got that sorted. And also, I so appreciate when you take the time to listen. And if I ever do say stuff where you're like, is that right? Did you misspeak or misspoke or whatever? The answer is probably yes. And I love hearing from you. So thank you again, Denise. You're like the body nerd of the week. And I appreciate you. So let's talk about foot coffins or shoes, Uh, because when you think about the shape of the foot and the shape of the shoe, you can see there's a discrepancy. I'm just thinking of like a lot of women's wear or even dress wear for men with the narrow, narrow dress shoes. Like your foot doesn't look like that my foot doesn't look like that. And if you think of like a baby foot, it's really, really wide. And it's almost like the toes and the ball of the foot are wider than the heel. And the other thing about baby feet is that their toes are so strong and dexterous, right? They can wiggle each of their toes almost individually. And the big toe is almost like another grasping digit. So compare that to an adult foot, And they look totally different. And it's not that, you know, as you grow and you start to walk, 
that your feet, you know, immediately start to change. It has a lot to do with the types of foot coffins we're then stuffing our feet into. Because if you look at cultures where footwear is different, it's not quite as restrictive as what we wear here in the United States. Feet look different. They adult feet look more like that baby foot with the wider foot and, you know, toes all separated and able, really strong toes, honestly. Uh, So it's not that as you mature, your feet change. Yes, as you mature, your feet change. And as you start walking, of course, your feet change, but it has a lot to do with the force that your shoes are putting on your feet. Because this foot change shape, again, like I said, is not the case for people who go barefoot or wear more barefoot style shoes. So there was a 2018 study that I'm going to link to in the show notes that looked at whether walking barefoot or in minimalist footwear increased muscle activation compared to walking in conventional footwear across different age groups. So this study involved 70 healthy adults between the ages of 20 and 87, And they had them walking in four different footwear conditions. So barefoot, minimalist shoes, their own shoes, and then some control shoes, which I don't know what the control shoes looked like, but I'm really imagining for some reason like cartoon, almost like Donald Duck, like bubble shoes. I think that would have been really cool. I don't think they did that, but that would have been neat. (laughs) So what they did find is that there was a change in muscle activity dependent on the type of footwear. So for example, walking barefoot or in a minimalist style shoe resulted in a decrease in the tibialis anterior. That's a muscle at the front of the shin at that initial standing stance due to a flatter foot contact in comparison to conventional footwear. So basically, yes, there was a difference if you were barefoot or wearing a minimalist shoe compared to wearing a traditional shoe and how the muscles of the lower leg were active or not active. And I find this really interesting, especially when you consider how many people suffer with shin splints, right? So again, walking barefoot or a minimalist shoe in this study found a decrease in tibialis anterior, the muscle at the front of the shin, at that initial stance because the foot was flatter in contact with the ground compared to conventional footwear. And so again, if you think of how many people suffer with shin splints, could one of the contributing factors be the types of shoes that we're wearing? It's still a question mark. I'm going to do a future episode on shin splints. So if that's something that you are struggling with or you have experienced in the past, stay tuned. That's coming. But all in all, it's a reminder that what is going on in your foot and what is on your foot is not just limited to the foot because it's going to have an impact on all of the structures above it, right? If your lower leg or calf are working overtime, that's going to impact how your knee is functioning, how your hips are functioning. Your foundation is your feet. And so we want to be sure that your feet are set up to do the things that they need to do to be the most supportive and to have the least amount of pain that they possibly can. So the traditional adult shaped shoe is not actually foot shaped. As somebody with a very wide foot, which is much more like, (laughs) I'm just laughing and thinking of all of my, my friends who have kids and their children who are, you know, young under the age of two, like my foot looks like their foot because I spend so much time barefoot and spend a lot of time in a minimally supportive shoe. So a minimalist style shoe that is a barefoot style shoe so that my foot can be a foot, 
right? A compressive shoe restricts the normal movement of your foot. And if that movement isn't happening in the foot where it should, it's gonna have to happen somewhere else for you to walk, for you to move, for you to stand there. So again, your hips, your knees, your ankles are gonna have to be more mobile to make up for it. Movement is gonna happen. The body is brilliant at getting you from point A to point B. If there is a joint that is not moving as much as we would like, then somebody else is gonna pick up the slack. And that other joint that picks up the slack, if that's more movement or too much movement that it's you know built for or used to, that's when we start to see things getting super, super, super tight. So is your ankle super, super tight because your ankle needs to be stretched? Or is your ankle so stinking tight because your foot is restricted in a overly supportive shoe that's impacting its ability to move, right? Think about it, Okay. So what should you be looking for in a shoe? Because that's really what we're here to talk about. And the first is a very wide toe box that is wide enough, again, for your foot. So if you have a more narrow foot than a super, super wide toe box where your foot is like swimming inside, that's not going to be ideal. But you want a toe box that is wide enough for you to wiggle your toes inside the shoe. I've talked about this on social media before. I have a exercise bike that I have special shoes to clip into my bike to get just better pedal stroke as I'm riding. These shoes are so stinking narrow that my feet fall asleep within 15 minutes of every workout. Now I only am on my bike for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes max. I already know my feet are going to fall asleep. Is this ideal? No. But for the, again, one hour, maybe 90 minutes max a week that I'm in the shoe, I'm not concerned with the long-term effect. When you think of like the cost benefit to what it costs to get a custom made or a wide shoe. If I were a person who rides my bike outside all the time. I spent hours a day getting miles into my bike. It would absolutely be worth it for me. So again, like I'm giving you this information so that you can then make the best decision for yourself. But a wide toe box that is not gonna compress your toes, that is not going to squish your toes together or compress the middle of that midfoot area and create numbness like I'm talking about, that's what we're looking for. And you also want to look for, the second thing you want to look for, is a flexible sole. So a shoe that you can twist all around and scrunch all around uh, so that your foot can move in the way that it was designed. And I know this goes against probably everything your podiatrist has ever told you, but I want you to think of it this way. So you have 26 bones and 33 joints in your foot which means there are 33 places in your foot that are made for some sort of movement. And if the foot is lacking stability, instead of just stuffing it in a shoe that's going to fake this stability, you're going to be better off in the long run by building up the strength and mobility of your feet and the muscles and tissues of your feet so that they can support your foot themselves and you don't have to rely on a shoe 24-7. Because maybe you want to go barefoot once in a while, or maybe you want to wear those cute shoes without being in excruciating pain after. And that's what a stronger foot allows, a choice, more resiliency, right? I often wear heels to church on Sunday, not a super high heel, but it does have a heel because I know when I get home, I'm going to have to do, you know, my foot rollout and some ankle strengthening exercises. And I'm totally okay with that. Again, I've made the conscious decision to wear that shoe, knowing what I have to do after to help my feet get back on track, literally. And it's just a choice that I've made. 
And that's what I want for you as well is to understand what to be looking for so that you can make that best choice for yourself. The number one question I get within the comments and my DMs and my emails is, I have this issue, what should I do for it? And I get when you've tried icing and you've tried stretching and they're not really working, you probably are looking for a simple program that you can do on your own that actually works. And that's exactly why I put together the Mobility Mastery Toolkit. The toolkit includes 30 days of exercises so you know exactly what to do to improve the mobility of your hips, your lower back, your feet, your neck, and your shoulders. Plus, it comes with video demos for every single exercise and a full body mobility workout calendar so you can check it off. And again, you don't have to think about what to do. You just get it done. And with all of those resources, you're just 15 minutes a day from feeling stronger and more flexible. As a Body Nerd Show listener, you can save 50% off when you use the code MASTERY at mobilitytoolkit.co. That's right. Use the code MASTERY, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y, at mobilitytoolkit.co. And then keep me posted how it goes. So the third thing you want to look for in a shoe is the height differential from heel to toe. And you want it to be something called zero drop, which means there is a zero millimeter difference between the heel of the shoe and the toe of the shoe. And this always makes me think of the Nike shocks, which actually are still in production. But I had a pair when I think, I think it must've been in like middle school. They were like silver with pink. They were so cool. I love them so much. They're essentially a high heeled sneaker. And even though it's like not that much, right? We're talking about maybe millimeters, you know, maybe it's like four millimeters. That's still four millimeters of lift that puts your heels four millimeters higher than your toes, which is going to change the mechanics of how those 33 joints experience movement through them. It's going to change how your plantar fascia and your calf have to work together. So it changes the mechanics of the foot. So something that is zero drop is going to be our goal. And if you're wearing a shoe now that has like a six millimeter differential, you're not going to want to go instantly into a zero drop shoe. You will gradually work your way towards it to build up the strength and resiliency of your foot over time. Okay, so whenever you see a shoe that claims to be zero drop or, you know, wide toe box, like these are things we are looking for and it does make a difference. So when I was on my road trip last spring, I took like two pairs of shoes because, again, I'm camping. I'm on a road trip like there's not a lot of space. Right. So the pair of shoes that I initially left home with and I was wearing 24 seven pretty much because, again, we're camping, we're outside and I didn't put two and two together (laughs) quite yet but we made it to a train museum and we're walking around all day and I was just like my god my back is killing me absolutely killing me and then as I stopped to like actually think about it by the time we got back to our campsite the shoe I was wearing was not zero drop and granted it was maybe like two millimeters maybe three not a ton but that essentially is like walking around in high heels all day and that little bit of lift changes all the way up the system, right? So what I was experiencing is that my SI joint was getting just like jammed up in there because of the footwear. And when I was able to change my shoes and get out of that footwear, my whole back felt so much better. 
So sometimes when we have pain or discomfort, I think, you know, oh my gosh, my back is messed up or this or that. And maybe the fix is something as simple as getting a shoe that is just flatter, right? Or more flexible or has a wider toe box. So these are simple. It's not even like a lifestyle change, just like simple changes that can have a profound impact on how the rest of your body feels. So the fourth thing you want to be looking at when you are choosing shoes is the stack height. And this term refers to the amount of shoe material between your foot and the ground. So stack heights can range from barefoot to maximal. And this measurement is often equated with the amount of cushioning that a shoe has. So again, looking at stack height, there's uh, some shoes that they give you like literally that barefoot feel and the stack height might be like one millimeter or two millimeters, super, super minimal. And I have a pair of sandals are called earth runners that are like this. I love them. I love wearing them on the beach. I love wearing them when I'm walking around in the summer. I do not put them on first day of warm weather and walk around for like three hours because my feet are actually like literally dead. These again are something that you can absolutely wear and enjoy even if you're walking around on concrete or asphalt, but you're going to want to gradually build your strength up into it. Think also of like, a, I think it's called Hoka. I get, again, I don't have these shoes. I'm just like looking on the internet where the sole looks like it's about six inches thick. And of course, for them, it's a marketing and a selling point of like how much cushion you have and it's so super comfortable. But your foot is also giving your brain input as to what type of surface you're walking on. And based on that surface and that proprioceptive feedback, you are then going to alter how you are walking and how your body is moving. And so when you have a shoe that is so cushiony that you cannot feel the ground, then your brain and body are just kind of like walking around blindly, unable to get that proprioceptive feedback. So a stack height of like, you know, 0.0001 millimeter may not work for you. I know that I actually prefer just a little tiny bit of cushion and flux, which I'll link to both earth runners and flux in the description. A flux has like just a small amount that still allows you to feel the ground beneath you, but it doesn't feel so thin. Like you are just literally walking on the ground. And again, barefoot and minimalist shoes, there are still barefoot and minimalist shoes that have a little bit of a stack height. So they're not all created the same. Some have cushioning, some are totally flat like I've already talked about. But understanding what stack height is can help you decide if a shoe is right for you or not. And now the fifth and final thing you're gonna wanna look at when choosing a shoe for yourself is if it has a back to it. And I know I've talked a little bit about sandals, as a barefoot person, like I do not like wearing shoes, including in the summer, but you will not catch me in flip-flops for a big, big reason. Because anytime you wear a shoe that doesn't have a back on it, your foot is going to have to grab onto the shoe to keep it on your foot. So the muscles of your feet, like your flexor hallucis brevis, this is your big toe flexor and some of your toe flexors, like the flexor digitorum brevis, the lumbricals, instead of stabilizing the foot like they were designed, they're holding on to your shoe. So there are a ton of sandals that have backs to them, even Birkenstocks, you can get them with a back to them. And it makes a huge difference in letting your feet just do feet things instead of trying to hold the shoe onto your foot. And I notice this even when I walk around the house in my Crocs. And 
I know, I'm telling you right now, everything I said on here, while they have a wide toe box, they do not have a flexible sole. They are not zero drop. Their stack height is really high, but they do have the option to add a back. So I'm just talking about, you know, cooking in the kitchen or as I'm standing here recording the podcast, I have no shoes on. I'm just barefoot with my socks on. But in the Crocs, I feel like I have to defend my choice of wearing Crocs. I know, I know, okay? But you have the option to put a back on it or not. I wear it with a back all the time because I can feel how much more work it is without the back, even though it has that little bit of lip to it, it's not the same. So you want to find a shoe that has a back to it, whether that's a summer sandal or a sneaker or whatever, it does make a difference. So another study that I was looking at was looking at the influence of minimalist footwear on gait stability and gait is your walking stability. And they were comparing this in barefoot walking for both younger and older adults. And so I really appreciate both of these studies that I've mentioned today because they're looking not just at one age group like 40 year old males, but younger and older individuals so that we have a wider variety of movement abilities and like dynamic movement capabilities as well. So in this study, they had 31 healthy younger adults in their early 30s and 33 healthy older adults in their early 70s. And they had them walk on flat ground barefoot and with a minimalist shoe. And what they found was that walking with that minimalist shoe was associated with better gait performance. So again, gait being walking it increased their local dynamic stability and actually helped decrease gait variability. So how you're changing how you're walking compared to barefoot for both age groups. So a more minimal type of shoe is a great alternative to get the strength building benefits of barefoot walking without having to commit to going barefoot 24-7. For many of you, it's winter. I would say it's winter in LA, but again, I know that's a joke, okay? (laughs) I know it's not really a joke. It's not winter here, I get it. But I want to have the benefits of more barefoot style walking in a less restrictive shoe, even when it is cold out. So it's nice to know that research has found that you still get some of the benefits, even though it's not exactly the same thing. And there are many brands out there that have, you know, winter wear, waterproof wear, if you're in a place where that is important. Um, And actually, I will link as well in the description, a website called Anya's Reviews. She is the barefoot shoe queen and has an amazing database where you can search for shoes, an extensive list, and even more things than we talked about today as far as like foot properties and shoes that will fit that. So again, if you have a narrow foot or a wide foot or a high arch or a low arch, like she's got a huge database for that. So go check Anya's reviews out. It's anyasreviews.com. I'll link to it, as I said, in the show notes for a list of shoes for every foot, shape, size, budget. Do you need sparkly shoes or not? Like she's got it all. Now, as far as just like your everyday go-to kind of sneaker, I love Flux and they're a really good transition shoe. So if you are not ready for super barefoot, like the Earthrunner sandal, Flux is an awesome option. They are my go-to training shoe. They're my go-to dog walking shoe. I even have a light pink pair that are like my, you know, going out shoe and I need a not black sneaker. I love them. So you can use code BODYNERD10 and save 10% off your first order. And you can check out Flux at aewellness.com slash Flux, F-L-U-X. 
Now, I've already mentioned a couple times, if you're getting started with a minimal shoe, you are not going to want to just throw that shoe on and then go for like a 30-mile hike. This is a poor choice. I mean, it's a good choice if you want to definitely have foot pain, but it is a poor choice if you are trying to build into your strength and this new shoe gradually without getting hurt. So wear it just around the house at first, maybe for 20 minutes and see how that goes. Then maybe 40 minutes and maybe an hour. Um, Maybe you just wear it for your short dog walks and not your longer dog walks, or you're just going to the grocery store and coming back, not going to the grocery store, Costco and Target. Okay. So be mindful, build up your time gradually so that you don't go so fast and irritate your plantar fascia and feet just in general. So think of it as if you were training for Everest, you're not going to do all of your training in one day and then be like, now I'm ready, right? No, you would do it gradually. And the best indicator of if it's time to take that next step, right, to add some more time, can I wear these for a little bit longer, is how you feel. And if your feet feel good and they don't hurt, keep on going. And it's totally possible to wear heels or slides or any sort of shoe that you want eventually. You just need to do the work now to rebuild the strength and get out of pain so that you can then wear whatever shoes that you want. So I hope this is helpful. I hope you're like, okay, now I have an idea of what to look for when I'm shopping for shoes. And if today's episode was helpful for you, it's actually a part of my upcoming ultimate guide to plantar fasciitis, which is an all new course that covers all things plantar fascia and plantar fasciitis. And in the course, I'm actually for this lesson specifically, I'll go through how to shop for shoes and including like how to look and where to find all the stuff that we talked about today. The course covers literally everything about plantar fasciitis. That is why it's called the ultimate guide to plantar fasciitis. So from types of shoes to the causes of plantar fasciitis, the best tools and exercises to help you if you're in pain now, if you are looking to build strength, or you're looking to maintain your foot health so you can make plantar fascia pain a thing of the past. So it's still in progress. I'm still working on it. But if you want to be one of the first to know, make sure that you're on my email list or check out the foot pain fix which is five days of my favorite exercises to help you build strength for your feet and ankles. So the foot pain fix is a great place to start now. It's totally free. I will link to it in the show notes as well, or you can head on over to aewellness.com slash foot pain. And we are still booking for retreat, the 2023 Mavens Retreat that's happening this May in Puerto Vallarta. So there are a few rooms available if you want to have an adventure and have some fun and your day-to-day is just like not cutting it. If you want to work with me and get a mobility program together so you know exactly what your body needs to get stronger without getting hurt, including for plantar fasciitis or anything else, If you want to meet some kick-ass movement-minded women and femmes in real life and you're just tired and you need a break, then you, my friend, should join us. We are staying in a beautiful villa that is just steps from the beach and a short walk from town. And once your feet hit the ground in Puerto Vallarta, everything is included. Your food, daily classes, swag, some seriously relaxing and super fun activities, beach days, facial massage, like it's everything. And I'm so excited. So you can check out the Maven's Retreat by heading on over to aewellness.com slash retreat. And if you want to save $150, I hope you can see my eyebrows are going, (laughs) then send me an email at info at aewellness.com before March 31st. So before the end of this month with the subject, retreat me, and I will get you all hooked up, get you everything you need to know so that we can play on the beach, enjoy tacos and sleep without an alarm clock, like literally counting down the days. 
So I'd love to hear what your biggest takeaway was from today's episode. Again, all of the show notes and links and everything I talked about are available at aewellness.com slash podcast. And if you have any questions or even corrections, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Hala You can find me on TikTok at aewellness, or you can leave a voicemail on the Body Nerd hotline at 818-396-6501. And thank you again for subscribing so that you don't miss an episode for leaving any reviews with, of course, five stars, only five stars. And thank you for sharing today's episode with anybody who is struggling with foot pain or plantar fasciitis and is not sure how to buy shoes or what shoes they should be wearing, or maybe they're wearing a super restrictive shoe and they're like, can I ever go barefoot again? Am I stuck to wearing these ugly shoes forever? Like share this episode with them and let us free our feet. So here's asking better questions, moving more, freeing your feet and going barefoot and getting nerdy. And thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks and body work is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today.